Welcome to the Becoming More Significant podcast. And this is all about helping you to become more visible, more credible, and ultimately more profitable by becoming more significant. And you have a smorgasbord of offerings to tap into. So over 50 wonderful podcast conversations with incredibly inspiring guests, each of whom are being truly significant in the world. And they're sharing wisdom and insights that helps them to continually have an ongoing impact in the world by being ever more significant. Then I have 10 Wisdom and Insights episodes where I have captured the golden nuggets from those conversations. And in each Wisdom and Insights episode, I share from either five or six episodes, the key learnings, the insights, and the practical actions that we can all take right now to become more significant in the world. And then my third offering is some snapshots of the learning that I have been doing over the last few years. I am a learning junkie. I'm constantly keyed into audiobooks, to podcasts, to TED Talks, to online courses, to mentoring. And I'm learning so much all the time that I'm sharing with my clients. And so I want to do that through the podcast platform as well. So I will be putting together very short, probably 15, 20 minute sessions on key learnings and again, key actions that can help us all to become more focused, tap into more of our potential and make a real and lasting difference in the world. So lots to choose from. And thank you so many of you for supporting the podcast over the last couple of years. It's been great to have you on board. And long may you continue to tap into the wisdom and gems of the Becoming More Significant podcast. Wherever you are today, I hope you're shining brightly. Have a great day. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, and she is Maria Bell. So Maria, welcome. Thank you, Sylvia. And where are you joining us from today, Maria? I am joining you from an actually really gorgeous sunny day in Shetland. Gosh, you get sunny days in Shetland? Wow. <laughs> we do, yeah. We've been quite lucky this past week. We'll probably get punished somehow by the weather gods following this wonderful spell, but uh, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Wonderful. Um, it's an island that I really want to get to. So one of these days, I, I, it looks beautiful from everything I've seen of it. Oh, it absolutely is. So, Maria, for the benefit of the audience who don't know you from Adam, just tell us a little bit about you and, and what you're doing in Shetland. Of course. Uh, so as we've already established, my name is Maria Bell and I am the managing director at Mesomorphic. Now, Mesomorphic is a growing software development company. Uh, we started in 2015 by founder Barnaby Mercer, and he wanted to create a company that, that was going to put Shetland on the map for its digital economy. And so the past five years, we've been working together to not only create a company that's really proud of the service that we deliver, but it's also to engage the next generation of developers and 
the way that we're doing this is we've actually created, um, or the part of the vision we've called it is called uh, Silicon Croft. And Silicon Croft is all about, it's creating those local opportunities. It's engaging the, um, it's engaging the next generation. So we've developed a pipeline, for example, that goes from primary school all the way up through to graduate level. And we're, we're building relationships with uh, potential partners as well, so like Skills Development Scotland, for example, and the Digital Champions to help share resources and provide as many opportunities for school children up here as possible to hopefully, and it is a slightly long-term recruitment plan, create them opportunities that maybe want to stay um, in Shetland after school and work for Mesomorphic within the digital economy. But it's also about growing that network and it's attracting projects and talent to Shetland as well. Because we firmly believe that Shetland is one of the most incredible places to do software development. And software development, all you really need is electricity and internet connection. And I would also recommend having a good uh, source of caffeine as well. Ah. But it's it's just a beautiful place up here. You get the work lifestyle balance. You I mean, I'm looking outside my window just now and I'm seeing sheep looking quite confused about the fact that it's sunny and it's, you know, I was about to say January, it's not now, it's February, but, you know, it, there's just so much to see and do up here. And if you're someone who really enjoys the outdoors, mm. absolutely, Shetland is one of the best places to do um, software development. You can do it anywhere in the world, but I would definitely recommend doing it in Shetland. Sounds idyllic, sounds wonderful. And what, what drove you into this industry, Maria, and, and also into your passion for the Silicon Croft project? What was it that made you think, I really want to get involved in this? 15-year-old Maria never thought she'd be working in this industry. I'm going to put that out there just now. Um, my journey to where I got to where I am today, uh, I went to university in Wales and I started doing a degree in marine biology and zoology. I'd always suspected I wasn't great at exams and we'll just say that that point was proven. Um, so I went up to Aberdeen and I started doing marine and coastal resource management, which was more of a, a coursework based uh, uh, qualification and it was looking at oil and gas politics uh civil engineering for one random module i seem to remember uh and i also focus on spanish as well but uh so the the idea had been to go into some form of marine planning but um it turns out that my strengths lie laid more in sort of the analytical side of things and the I, I quite enjoyed working with data which really surprised me actually um, and I still was able to, to pursue my my passion in languages and I graduated I moved back down to Great Yarmouth uh, moved back in with my parents which is always interesting after four years and five, sorry five years by that point of independence and um, I went offshore for a couple of years, uh, worked with a, a company down in Yarmouth. Uh, I learned a lot and I actually met one of the most influential people. Um, she, she would probably not be impressed right, if she ever hears this, but she's one of the most influential people that I've ever met. And I learned a lot from her um, in the couple of years that I worked with her. And thank, I'm so grateful we're still in touch actually now. And so after after that, that particular career, um, and after years of telling my mother as I was growing up, I was never going to get involved in education. I did my master's in community learning and development. So that started to backfire. And I moved back up to Aberdeen and I started to run a few courses for women who had come out of abusive relationships, but also ex-offenders as well, to give them the confidence and the support to, to try to get back into the working world. 
And unfortunately, that was when um, funding was cut. So uh, my courses got shut down and I then had to start looking for another source of income. So 15 interviews later, and I remember 15 because I often have to pull on it when I talk to some of the students and I do career advice. I came, became very good at doing interviews by the end of it. And I got back into oil and gas industry as a data analyst. And from there, I was uh, analyzing drilling data. I then moved on to shale and with a, a fantastic team um, of other analysts, we created a study looking at shale wells and looking at benchmarking. And I got to the point where I felt I couldn't add anything else to it. I'm a very big vision person. I'm not necessarily the itty bitty detail. And once the mathematics involved starts to involve the alphabet and more than one pair of brackets, I'm like, oh, no, thank you. So I handed it over to somebody else who was much more suited to that. And I moved up to Shetland to work for a company up here as a software consultant. Cue the oil and gas industry collapsing. And obviously, a lot of the clients who were in the oil and gas at that point weren't overly keen on buying in more software. It was at this point, however, where I actually, uh, this is where I met Barnaby. Uh, he was my boss at the time, and he left about nine months after I started. And he went off to set up Mesomorphic, and I joined him in 2016. And it's just been upwards from there, really. Ah, wow. So, bit convoluted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and one part of that long journey was <laughs> you were working with ex-offenders. How yeah. did that happen in the midst of all that? different training etc yeah it wasn't planned it really wasn't planned it was just a conversation that came up and it wasn't anything grand it was just a group of four people four or five women and it just came about because they had heard or the conversation had gone around about the uh, confidence building courses that I've been doing with with folk who come out of abusive relationships and it was just a case of do you would you be happy talking to these people I said yeah why not and um, we had about two or three sessions because unfortunately as I say it the, the, the group did have to, it, it's just an unfortunate case of funding and timing, and it, it is what it is. But I think, you know, it, it was always an area that had, I always, because of my own background in sort of the the the, the changing of careers and, and sort of striking out, and I've always been quite an independent person. Mm. I wanted to not necessarily share and say, this is how you do it, but yeah. to, to work with other people. And I've always been, because... Before I went to uni, and actually during uni as well, a lot of my jobs were involved with just speaking to people. I was, I was heavily involved in, in the hospitality industry. And so that was working from like, you know, small bars all the way up through to, to like larger hotels. And I've always enjoyed speaking to people, finding out more and, and sort of like really getting to know them. And that was how those courses came about because like we had those conversations and we were talking about, you know, okay so you've identified that how would you go about it and it wasn't me necessarily doing all the teaching it was just getting people to talk to each other and it was just that was just how it all came about really okay it was yeah I never thought that would happen but there we go (laughs) fantastic yeah and how did that feel when you were you know running courses on confidence and then helping people that come from a difficult background how did that feel really daunting yeah (laughs) I must admit my own confidence was questioned a few times um and I think that's one thing I did learn at that point is that there are days where you're going to feel so on fire and you're going to be saying mm. the right things, you're going to be doing the right things. You're going to be like, yes, I have got this. And then the next day you're going to be thinking, oh, God, give me, I'm going to go back into my duvet. I'm going to have my fluffy jammies on. I'll see you next week. 
And I think that was the most important thing we, we sort of, we all discussed is that it's not a case of, it's a continuous progression. There are going to be highs mm. and there are going to be lows. And I learned as much from them as what they learned from me. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about working with people from Oranges and New Black, for example, but those who've just had the roughest starts in life. Mm. And it's just sort of just talking to them. And, you know, if something came up in conversation and I said, well, this is why I feel like that. And that this is why it's sort of broken on my confidence. It's It's just trying to help to shape their own views on stuff that they've done which is a bit rich really for me in some respects because there are days where I completely chew myself out on things that I have done and I think that's why it all worked is because at the end of the day you're all human and you work to the strengths that you've got and I, I think that's what it that's what made those groups work and it was such a shame that it it didn't carry on but you know, it's mm. it is what it is, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I would um, go back to doing that because it was something that I found incredibly draining. But it was also such a, a rewarding um, part of my life as well. And I, I, like I say, I learned a hell of a lot from those people that I worked with. It was just, yeah, it was phenomenal. Well, you know the old saying, uh, Maria: "We teach what we need to learn." Absolutely. You know, um, I I think very often when we're helping others, we think I really need to take my own advice here, you know, (laughs) because it's easy to to help and advise and support others. But when it comes to yourself, it can be a whole different ballgame. Absolutely. I I had a very similar situation at the weekend. I am. I was talking to my mum and I was just giving her some advice on something that she was doing that, um, you know, I I don't think she was 100 percent aware of, like you know, what obviously she was very aware of what she was doing. I was like, you know, just from an outsider's point of view, looking in, and I had a chat with her, and afterwards I messaged my pal going, I've just given really sterling advice. I think I should listen to my own advice at times. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I bet it's all part of the learning curve, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And every day is a learning day, as they say. Isn't it just? And isn't that exciting? Um, But, you know, I'm really interested to find out a little bit more about this Silicon Croft Mm -hmm. Um, initiative that you're involved in so so first of all what drew you to it why are you involved and and secondly what's happening and I know I know lockdowns probably affected the progress and everything but just enlighten us a little bit more about that so we can understand okay yeah um so Silicon Croft the names okay I'm trying to work out we can start with this story because it in my head I've got it completely nailed but when I come and try and explain to it it doesn't always come out straight so the company mission is to be the garden where your ideas grow. And that's the philosophy that we take when it comes to our software development. You can plant lots of seeds and we can provide you with the tools and we provide you with the support and we can share our own experiences. Some ideas will grow, some ideas not so much. And there's some ideas that really flourish. Mm. And that's why I take that iterative, iterative approach to our software development. Um, methods so as i've already mentioned the company is not only about developing software but it is about inspiring the next generation so silicon craft came about because we wanted to, to think of a name we talked about silicon Vow as well and there's not that's another name that came up that's escaped me just now but it was it's all around about that that combining what makes shetland shetland but with that silicon computery vibe 
So Silicon Croft was the name that sort of sort of stuck really. And the reason why I love it is again, a croft, it's giving that continuous growing. And you can grow two or three different things. I mean, if you're like me, I I can't really grow that much. I, I'm people that can kill a cactus. But I love the idea that, you know, you, you plant these seeds or you're, you're growing different segments of ideas or growing different ideas, not different segments, or growing different ideas. And so that's what the Silicon Croft thing is, is, is capturing. And that engagement pipeline that I spoke about earlier, that's continuously changing and evolving. And it's, and when I think about how much it's changed over the last five years, it's, it's incredible. Um, so it started off with uh, one of my colleagues, Tim. He went in and for, he gave a, a code club session to one of the local schools. Uh, I believe his son Madison was there at the time. And he, he did six sessions and it went, it was just phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get involved at that point. But yeah, Tim went ahead and he delivered these sessions and the schools were really excited by the fact that they had a real life developer, you know, coming in. Um, I mean, Madison might have thought, oh no, it's my dad. But, you know, they had like a developer that comes in and show them how to, to use Scratch. And, and Scratch is one of the, the, the pieces of software that we use as part of our code clubs. And then from there, he's, he, uh, we then delivered another session um, at another local school. And this is when I was able to start becoming involved. And this is a game when it started to backfire about, you know, when I said a little while ago, about was saying to my mum, I'm never going to be a teacher. Uh, she was a teacher for 33 years, which was part of my rebellion, I think. And I was getting involved in helping um, that side of things as well, talking about the running of the business um, and how, you know, software companies work. And I had Tim sort of, as my backup really for if you've got some of the the kids who are really switched on with how coding works and they would ask me a question and if it's not something I'm particularly familiar with he would come in and give me a hand and it was great it was a really good team and um it, it really started to gather momentum and unfortunately yeah lockdown did scupper it but we'll come into that in the end in a minute but we've also started to really talk with the uh, with the secondary schools as well, because uh, it was fantastic that Mesomorphic becoming recognised for our work experience. So work experience was offered for S4s upwards, and they'd come in for a week. Um, we did have some in for two, but generally they came in when the schools had their week through the council. Mm. So it came in, it started off as then just coming in being a software developer, getting that work experience, um, and just you know working individually as a team but we, we really started to grow that as well it was okay so here's a software developer that's great that's what you're into that's fantastic we will share with you our experiences and our tools and give you some advice but then I, we also started to, to bring in interview experience and looking at the meta skills um, part of it as well so looking at you know that critical thinking that reflective thinking how to engage with someone that you're not 100% familiar with. Like, for example, if you're, in a, if you're in an interview situation and it's also getting involved in other parts of the business as well to, again, give them more of a feel about how everything all sorts of hangs together. So we, we were doing really, really well with that and we gave them mock contracts as well. So we set out our expectations of them and their expectations of us. So they all had accountability. And I'm not saying, again, what we were doing is unique, but it was a unique opportunity for them. And it was it was going really well. And then, of course, yes, lockdown. 
so after months of well, I'm not gonna lie, I felt like my hair was on fire for a fair mm. bit of chunk of that. Um, we managed to deliver our first remote work experience. I think it was in November, October. Uh, either way, towards the end of last year. And uh, it was a local student who wanted to have some digital marketing experience. And she was with us for two weeks. And this was the first time I actually got um, other people outside of the company in the same industry but involved in that work experience opportunity. So they were giving uh, her advice from their points of view. And that was brilliant to sort of, because I've been very lucky. I mean, one of the good things that came out of last year, and I'm not going to lie, whilst, like I said a minute ago, put my hair on fire for a chunk of it, there were some positive things that came out of it. And one of it is the how far our network had grown and some of the relationships that I developed. Mm. And it was fascinating for me to see people say, yeah, actually, I want to get involved. I want to help you with what you're doing here. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to, you know, your student for 10, 15 minutes. We'll have a cup of tea, walk them through what we do. And there's any questions. And I was really lucky that um, the student we had was, was so engaged. And mm-hmm. it made me also think about, you know, the frequency, but also what types of students we want to have that come and because I mean we've all found the shift to remote work has been challenging on different levels for different people and one of the things that I found for me personally was just making sure that I felt like I was keeping on top of everything that was happening not just in my little world but also was happening different parts of the company so taking on a remote work student I had to make sure for me personally because I knew that for the digital marketing aspect of it anyway there was going to be a lot of one-to-one work with me and her. And mm. I was really lucky, so, so lucky that um, we got on really well. And she was she was a delight to have for two weeks. Mm. And I really want to give more of those opportunities out. So that's part of that Silicon Croft as well, is that engaging and getting people to really start to think about the digital economy, not necessarily in Shetland, but as a whole. And last year, uh, I was on the panel for the Business Barometer report with Open University. And we were looking at digital skills and the gaps. And the Mark Wagen report was also released as well last year and highlighting the, uh, the different skills gaps. And what I have found is that the sort of conversation we've been having, as I mentioned, that network has been growing Mesomorph for getting involved in these types of conversations on the mainland and quite high up levels. So the whole concept of Silicon Croft has been generating conversations and people saying, all right, so we've got these resources, we can help you or we can support you or we'll have this conversation. Oh, but by the way, can you talk to us more about what you're doing? Mm. Um, you know, how is that model working? Is there any way that we can use that model potentially? So that's been quite interesting as well. Brilliant. And I it must hope that's give, answered the question. <laughs> yeah, it must give you a great sense of satisfaction when you ignite that spark of interest and possibility in the young people that are coming through and, and working with you. That that must feel amazing. It 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 does. Yeah, it's not just necessarily seeing it. it for me, it's, it's fantastic to see the kids go. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Mm. But it's also getting the adults involved as well Mm. there's a part of it what it is it's not just all about the students the only way that I've so I've put a lot of thought into this I've been speaking a lot with the team about it as well we all agreed that the way that we can make this sustainable 
is that it's not just the students, it's about the teachers as well. We need to be yeah. able to support them. And as part of our code clubs, we do support the teachers and uh, and I give them a lesson plan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm chuckling away. It's because I keep thinking to myself, you know, I say I'm never going to be a teacher and I'm writing lesson plans, um, <laughs> you know, for six weeks because I... I was fascinated to realize that or to learn, sorry, that the children were quite happy to rinse and repeat the same learning outcomes. You know, that was a bit of a light bulb situation for me. I was like, aha, great. Okay. So here's six weeks uh, lesson plans. These are the outcomes you're doing. Here's some resources. You've done this once. And we've been there with you. Here's my contact details. If you want to run it again, go for it. And if you get stuck, just get in touch and we can sort mm. of walk, walk through. And I can see that's going to be growing. Mm. I think that's definitely me. And, and I was very lucky actually, um, about just before Christmas, we, we've got a fantastic library system up here and the librarians have been trained in how to use Scratch, but also microbits as well. So we've, we've joined forces um, and the plan had been, again, thanks lockdown, um, that we were going to launch a pilot, um, pilot club combining their resources and ours um, in a school in Shetland. And the, the aim had been to have it all in the library and the librarians would use it. I would sort of dial in, sort of have my face sort of looming over, which sounds a bit scary when I say it out loud, but you know, I'd still be virtually involved yeah. and we'd run it that way. And then we might maybe, we were thinking about maybe choosing ambassador of the group or something like that to then um, support their teacher in running another six week block in the classroom. So then we can get another six-week block in the library, sort of rinse and repeat, and we're looking forward to getting that started. But, yeah, uh, that's been pushed back a bit, um, and we'll just have to – it's given us plenty of time to plan, and mm. it's given us plenty of opportunities to develop some more resources. I actually completely stepped out of my comfort zone uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and released my first little engagement video on Twitter. Yes, well done. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, honestly – it looked pretty good when I when the final bit was done, but I tell you what, the number of takes it took to get to that—it was only a two-minute video. I was like, "Oh, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna have a thing in Hollywood." You know, <laughs> they're gonna take about four or five years to uh, to to make a film of me and see me visibly age. But yeah, it was. Uh, I really enjoyed that towards the end, and um, and unfortunately, until recently, the the weather scuppered me for doing the next one. Um, so I'm hoping I'm gonna be able to get out and do the next one. But there's a during the last uh, the last video, there's a fantastic action shot of me with my hair just sort of like blowing straight across. Lovely, that lovely. Wasn't what I was going for, but uh, looking forward to doing more of those as well. And we're sharing each other's resources, and it's all about that collaboration. Um, and that's you know, it's the philosophy we have in the company. It's what we have outside the company, and it's uh, that's that's how I think that's how this the supporting of the teachers and the students and Silicon Croft and all that good stuff is is going to work. Brilliant. And, you know, it's all about giving back to your community and being a really active part of the community, which is, yes. it's actually one of our basic needs, you know, to feel that we're part of a tribe. So it's just great to hear what you're doing. But just as an aside on the on the old videos, Maria, because I do quite a lot of videos, as you know, it's actually much more difficult to talk for a minute or two minutes than it is to talk for 20 minutes or half an hour, because you're trying to condense key messages into that short space of time. And that's quite a challenge to get it down to that short space of time and get the message across. Whereas if you've got 15, 20 minutes, then it's much more relaxed. So don't be put off, seriously. No, like I say, I've, I've done it once and I've I'm, I am going to keep on doing it. Um, it's 
there's still a little bit of hesitation. I'm not going to lie. So, yes, it's just uh, we'll keep going. Mm. Now, you do a lot of your business development through networking. So how is that working right now? Because obviously it's online at the moment. So how are you finding that whole business development piece, developing relationships online? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's going really, really well, to be honest. Um, so given where we are, uh, geographically, I'm referring to here, uh, mm. a lot of networking events happening on the mainland usually involve me taking two or three days um, away from from the business or, you know, traveling around. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love traveling. Um, I really do miss it. It's I've been in Shetland now for a year and I've never been in one place for a year before. So this is a really strange concept. But going back to the original question, um, so I was I was quite relieved to see that virtual networking really started to take off during lockdown. Now, it's something that I've been trying to sort of encourage on a lower level um, before um, before the pandemic. But obviously, it just really took off. So I was able to start visiting more networks. Um, I was in visiting Glasgow and Edinburgh. I was still trying to make sure that we I was networking in areas in the geographic areas that we were trying to focus with the company because we've always um, I say we've always we we've we've said that we we're going to work in concentric circles so Shetland then Orkney then Scotland then UK and then global but then that's all completely changed but that's okay um you know and so the I, I did go a bit networking crazy a little bit last year um being an extrovert and being locked inside a house uh by yourself for weeks at a time does make you want to get any sort of human yeah. contact as possible. So I may have done a lot of networking and I did get a bit network fatigued. However, um, one of, so networking events like uh, FARA networking, um, I'd recommend uh, checking out that one. And we also found the FSB networking was very interesting as well. And it's very useful. I, I start. I, I sort of whittled it down to them. Oh, and also SWIB, sorry. I, they were a great support to start off mm. with as well. Mm. And um, so those ended up being the three things that I focused on. And then this year uh, I've joined Kelly Houston's networking. And that's a, a great way to start a Monday morning for me personally. Anyway, I mean, somebody else might have an idea of hell, but um, I'm yoga from seven to eight. And then a half past eight, I'm out the door doing networking. And whilst it sounds like a very busy way to start a Monday, it's actually a really good way for me personally to get sort of like my, my head straight and, mm. you know, uh i i guess not necessarily all what all planned but it's just a good way for me to get up and go and it's like yeah embracing monday mornings rather than um yeah thinking about oh god it's monday sure. and uh so the the business side of it the business development i i'm delighted to say that a lot of the work that's come through has been from referrals um either by people that we've worked with or people who i've spoken to and maybe a referral for the people we're speaking to might be the wrong word, but it's also, it's getting that message out of what it is that we do. And again, it's building those relationships up. And it, I, I, I've, I learned very quickly, mm. <laughs> um, and Farah is saying, we'll, we'll laugh when, the, when I say this, that I had to change my approach to networking, what it's all about. I think I used to approach it from a little bit of a shark angle, like, you know, what can yeah. I do, you know, mm. what business is there here? Or what can I do for you? But it's, it has been more about that building the networks. And actually, 
um, I'm forever grateful for some of the people that I did meet at networking last year because they actually became a huge part of my support network uh, throughout the year last year. And, you know, there's uh, Jill, um, Jill Wilson, for example, from Butter Toast. I ring her at least once a week and we're each other's signboards. Um, we, we do not pitch ourselves as coaches at all, but we for what we have for each other, we're very similar minded and we will mm. sit there and unpick. And same for um, Aileen Boyle as well and, and Michelle Grant. We're all very similar minded and we will just sit and we will just, you know, we'll talk about unpicking different bits and just giving advice and listening. And, you know, so that that part of it as well has been really, really helpful. And that's all fed into the business development as well. So it's not just a case of nailing what it is you can do for that person and thinking about what services you offer. And this is, oh, yeah, right. You're a, you're a business lead. Mm. But it's like if you find people who are on your wavelength and they become your raving fans, then that is also really key to that business development angle. Brilliant. Yes, I love that. And, you know, it, it's so much better when you can tap into the expertise of others. And that's why mastermind groups work so well, because you're yes. sharing the good times, the bad times, the challenges, the advice, the experience and everything and tapping into everybody mm. else, which is just brilliant. But Maria, I know that you also invest in your own personal development and growth as you did last year which was how we met so what difference has that made to you you know just taking some time out to to think about your where you're going your vision your values your goals yourself getting to know yourself at a deeper level what difference has that made to you it certainly made me stop and think a lot more um, sometimes wasn't necessarily very helpful at the situation where I couldn't take on any more information. Mm. However, it for me personally, it wasn't an overnight transformation. There was no like lotus moment of like, oh, this is amazing. I am, I've got it nailed now. It has been a very, very slow percolating process for me, which is fine. Um, to be honest, that's how I've been most of my, uh, most of my life, to be honest. I, but no, <laughs> I say, I'm not putting myself down at all when I, when I call myself a slow percolator. I'm not. It's it's just that's how I've always found uh, taking on new habits or taking on new philosophies. It is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a slow trickling process. Um, so, yeah, that the course that we did, that becoming more significant, um, there were days where I felt completely drained by it, but it's not necessarily negative either because it does make you stop and think, well, what is it about this? Is it challenging you in a way that you didn't think you'd be challenged? Is it making you rethink things? Are you rewiring yourself? And the the goals and visions uh, section that we did, I found incredibly powerful. And the reason for that is because it really sort of got me back in touch with what is it that I believe? Mm. Is And how does that tie in with what we believe? And how is that going to impact what potential clients will believe? And it got a bit, got a bit three D metric, metricy, metricy, matricy. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, for a lot of it, and there were days where I just, I was just wrecking my own head. Mm. Uh, in case you haven't picked up on this yet, I do tend to overthink quite a bit. Uh, but that was also something that I have been trying to sort of work on. And you know that I've been reading various blog posts and books and all this type of stuff, and. I've picked up little bits and tips on the way, but going back to that values and vision, the goal mapping exercise mm. that we did, um, mm. it's the Phil, Phil Myers, Phil, 
actually I've got his book in front of me. I can't really shouldn't be really um Brian Brian Mean. Yeah, I don't know where I've got that. Brian Mean. Brian May, there we go, not film eyes at all. Brian May, there we go. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm making my way through his book again at the moment. And uh, I I really enjoyed that because in in the company, we often refer to a book called Pragmatic Programming. Mm -hmm. And it looks at the pragmatic ways to program um, software development. And it looks at activating the right-hand side, left-hand side of your brain within that sphere. And it's something that I, I, I quite... I like the I've always liked the idea of, and then when we started doing that vision and goal mapping, and again it was using the left hand side, the right hand side of the brain. That to me was incredibly powerful, and mm. I initially um, I just did one big map, and God that overwhelmed me. Uh, so I, I took a step back. And I broke my gigantic vision down to like little vision. And um, up until that point, I didn't have a vision board either because I always thought they're a bit fluffy. Um, wasn't something I particularly thought about much. So I've got a vision board now, but with my take on it. Yeah. Um, and it's got uh, <laughs> on there at the moment. It's got my 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 different vision plans. It's got quotes that I've found that I've I personally find quite powerful. Um, and as I've got, I've restarted my yoga practice, which completely went out the window um, last year, probably year before as well, actually. And it's been good to sort of, rather than having, uh, I guess what we call traditional, if you, uh, we'll go for Pinterest style vision board. Okay. Um, I've found the, the the method that works for me. And it's get capturing thoughts. And if I have like a thought or if I hear a phrase, that's what I'm putting on my vision board. So it's reflecting mm-hmm. back onto that. And then that is then what's helping me build up. So, um, yeah, that, so that part, so the becoming more significant did make me stop and think. Um, and it has, to be honest, it has provided uh, me with a lot of, a lot of insights to various different things. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the better, best things that I come out of for me particularly is to I mean as so many people have said to me all the time is to stop being so hard on myself easier said than done um yeah. you know got to the end of last year and I think it's just safe to say that I was limping across the finish line got to Christmas and I was like nope pajamas <laughs> that's that's all that's gonna happen and um I needed that to be honest mm-hmm. um yeah. and during that time off I, I took about four days off and I was like right what are we going to do going forward to stop you limping along i mean it wasn't a case of licking my wounds and feeling sorry for myself i was just completely depleted mm. um so i've i i sat down i made a plan um and a friend of mine a very dear friend of mine um she did remind me that planning was so 2019 um but i have started to i i just i just sat down and said right you've got on your vision board at the moment what makes you tick Let's take that and how can you get more of that into your everyday life? So I, you know, I, I, like I said, got back into yoga. Um, I'm now a member of the Frog Project down in Scarborough and yeah, it's excellent. I uh, highly recommend that one. And uh, again, because it's, it's a very pragmatic approach to it. It's just like, yeah, this is yoga. This is what we're doing. Off yeah. you go. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, what do you mean you can't get your leg over your head and, you know, arm around the back and, you know, you, you have a, you haven't got a calm mind. Um, I can talk to them quite openly and say, like, the other day we were doing a meditation piece. I said, look, 
I wasn't meditating. I had an earworm in my head, which was high, um, high energy, which was like a disco tune back in the 80s. So that wasn't what I was looking for, but that was what I needed at the time because I was very, mm. you know, again, I was quite depleted. So it, it's finding, it's, this year's all about finding my groove again. Because um, mm. I think, uh, I don't regret approaching the, the way that I did last year because I tried lots of different things and for the business just to, I, I think we were just all in survival mode last year. And now this year is for me, it's making sure that that, the important things from last year hasn't been lost, but it's mm-hmm. it's that slight healing part for me this year. So uh, I'm walking 12,000 steps a day again and I'm doing the yoga and okay, my water intake isn't exactly brilliant, but at least it's, you know, it, it it's making small improvements and it's, it's approaching everything as a, one of the phrases I actually got on my board is it's yoga practice, not yoga perfect. Yes. And that is what I keep telling myself for everything that I'm doing. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's it is that finding what makes you, it's finding your groove. Um, that's yeah. that's what it's all been about, I think. Absolutely, and you know I love that. And and a number of my previous guests have talked about you know setting a destination and just taking one or two small steps towards that destination every day. Um, and in Steve Redgrave uh, speak, you know, after rowing, he said they would mm. always sit down after winning a gold medal. They would sit down at the next training session and go, what can we do to make the boat go faster? And they would only engage in new practices that would make the boat go faster. And um, one of my mentors says that every single day he does something that will make his boat go faster. And, and it might be something simple, like making sure that all his pens work and all his pencils are sharpened so it saves him time <laughs> or getting rid of the filing that's cluttering up his office. You know, it can be simple things like that, but it's something that's going to make you work more effectively, which I absolutely love. Absolutely. And we, we use retrospectives um, mm-hmm. at the end of each sprint for, for when we're developing uh, project work and, you know, finding out what went well, what didn't go well and what you enjoyed the most and least identifying that along your journey I think is is yeah is quite important and it's and you don't I don't think you realize how important it is until you actually start doing it and at the beginning you might think oh god no but you know once you get into swing of it and you find out what it is that works for you a lesson I learned very early on last year is that there's a lots of things out there telling you how to do stuff yes and it's a you you know, you should be up at five o'clock in the morning or you should be, you know, running 5K every day or, you know, you, you see this this online presence and this, you get a complete information overload. And that's okay to set to read something and go, oh, God, get up at five o'clock. No chance. But I might get up at seven o'clock. So that's more my natural rhythm. Yes. You know, and it's, it's again, it's just in what it, what it is for you. And I mean, last year I got completely bogged down in a load of information. And that's what I particularly enjoyed about the, the the course that we did was that you were given the information and then you can work at it at your own level. And it wasn't that, it wasn't very much, you know, what I'm telling you is this and this is how you do it. It's like, okay, this is what we, this works for, for yourself, Sylvia. And then how does that work for you? Mm. What, what, how can you make it fit what it is that you're doing? Exactly. And I think that's one of the key things that I learned from last year. Mm. Brilliant. So, Maria, one of the questions I always ask every guest is, how are you becoming more significant right now? And how are you planning to become even more significant in the year ahead? <laughs> um, 
I, yeah. So this question, I, I know when we had the, the interview prep come through, and you know that that, that came up in uh, that was written on the paper. I was thinking, God, how how am I becoming more significant? And I think, to be honest, I'm becoming more significant because I'm more coming more significant to myself. A while ago, I was saying about you know the the advice I gave my mum at the weekend, and I called her out and I said she was being a fixer, which made me laugh because guess where I got it from? I am a fixer, and um, I have been trying very hard to not go into that mode very quickly but I've failed at it um you know and no matter how many different ways you look at failing you know the the first attempt is learning and all that type of stuff um I yeah I continue to fix and it I think that's part of the reason why it's being quite depleted so Mm -hmm. it's it's now working on sorting myself out while still going 19 to the dozen making sure I, I don't beat myself up for going for a walk twice a day mm-hmm. um because i tell you what doing twelve thousand steps in a wanna in the shetland winter when it's pitch black and it's raining ain't exactly fun so you, you want to break it up and you want to get yourself mm-hmm. away from your laptop and that's what i'm so i'm becoming more significant to me and then that is what is going to that is how i'm going to continue to become more significant throughout the year because i think if i've got my head on straight more or less um, you know, that is what is going to, to sort of help. And um, for, for people who are listening, don't worry, I, I promise I'm not some sort of crazy person. It's just the fact that I've, I've felt completely out of kilter um, for, for quite a while now. And it's just a case of, like I say, the only way I'm going to become more significant is to be more significant to me. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's probably the, the best answer I can give you for now. Ask me again next year. And I might have a different answer. Oh, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> and, you know, being significant or becoming more significant is all about that. It's, it's first of all, being the best version of you, whatever that means to you and investing in your health, your well-being, your development like you're doing right now. Because when you do that, instead of being selfish, it's actually it helps you to be selfless. You've got more to give mm-hmm. because not investing ourselves. It's a bit like trying to run your car on empty. There's just nothing left to give. You're just completely depleted. But by putting stuff into yourself that's going to nurture you and grow you in whatever way it does, then you've got that gift to give to others. And then that is about being significant. And it's about creating that ripple effect. You know, you help somebody else, they help somebody else, and it just keeps expanding out in waves, um, which is brilliant. So, Maria, we have run out of time, but I know that people will want to get in touch. They want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing. So how can they do that? I am on LinkedIn, just under Maria Bell. We've got the Mesomorphic Limited business page also on LinkedIn if you want to come find me that way I am on Twitter I'm not the most prolific of Twitterers but I am trying to get better that's one of the challenges for this year and also my email you can find it on our website which is www.mesomorphic.co.uk thank you so much and finally have you got one last thought or insight or or quote just something to leave with our audience I would definitely say that you need to, I think if I was to give one piece of advice, and I've said it already, is just to find your groove and just keep, yeah, just keep trying to find out what works for you. That's how you're going to fall into where it is you're supposed to be and how it is you're supposed to do it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Becoming More Significant podcast. 
And I really hope that you've taken away some practical steps to take right now to help you unlock more of that hidden potential that we are all only scratching the surface of. If you would like to discuss how I might be able to support you in your journey into greater significance, please get in touch. It's calendly.com forward slash Sylvia Baldock for a no obligation free initial coaching call to find out how together we can make sure that the coming weeks and months are your most significant ever. Take care.